Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Stars could shine between the lines If you would let yourself go Find some place you know You can use your words, use your hands You can change the world, just pretend Express yourself, take a chance and you'll see It's time to express yourself, where teens talk and the world listens. Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. As said by Martin Luther, for in the true nature of things, if we rightly consider, every green tree is far more glorious than if it were made of gold and silver. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Asia Gonzalez and today the theme for our show is the gift of green. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions and brought to you as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity. Each week we bring you a stimulating, mind-bending, motivating program based on a chapter from our award-winning book, Be The Star You Are for Teens, Simple Gifts for Living, Loving, Laughing, Learning, and Leading. And with this week's theme, The Gift of Green, we'll be talking about the green in all its glory and meanings. We want to begin our show by reading a chapter on the gift of green from our book, Be the Star You Are for Teens. This story was penned by New York Times bestselling author and Express Yourself and producer of Express Yourself, Cynthia Bryan. Do you remember Kermit, the frog moaning about the difficulty of being green? He really liked being green, except he thought he blended into the landscape too much to be noticed. Today, Kermit is a hero because we all need to blend more and honor the greening of the world. It seems that everyone is talking or writing about being eco-friendly, environmentally correct, recycling, or greenwashing. How can we better our stewards of the earth? We live in a disposal society with more garbage in our dumps than ever before. The effects of global warming affects us more than we know. Any time is a great time to start living consciously, and when we are young is the best time of all. When I lived in Holland as a teenager, I never saw a paper bag, paper plate, or paper napkin. Each person in the house was given a linen napkin with a napkin ring. At every meal, each person took their individual napkin from their ring and reused the cloth napkin. When the napkin was soiled and it was washed, we ate on sturdy china plates with flatware, no plastic or paper. We went to the store carrying mesh bags and only bought enough food to fit into the bags we could carry, and there was no waste. When I grew up on the farm, we recycled and reused everything. I sewed my own clothes, grew my own vegetables, and refinished furniture that was in the barn. In those days, it was called being frugal. But today, frugal is fabulous. My siblings and I always made gifts from scraps of other things. One year for Christmas, we made our godmother's Santa pillows. Each holiday, our godmothers would proudly display our creations, often taking their naps on their comfortable cushions. This year, Aunt Helen's Santa pillow ripped, and she bought it. She brought it to my sister Debbie, laughing hysterically. Deb, all these years I've slept on this pillow, and when it ripped, I finally saw, saw the stuffing inside. 
Debbie grabbed the pillow and pulled out the contents, various undergarments, nylons, rags, blouses, and other cast-offs from our decade, from four decades ago. Now that was being clean green. As a result of hand recycling expertise and experiencing how people in other lands lived, I feel, I feel good that over the years I have done my part to enable our planet to survive. Yet there is always more we can do. Here are a few ways you can be more environmentally savvy and help reduce your carbon footprint. Buy products with no packaging or packaging that you can repurpose. Buy a canvas tote and use it for all your shopping instead of getting plastic bags or paper bags from the store. Uh, one thing that we do is we use our plastic bags over and over and over again for whatever we can use them for. Whenever we go uh, shopping at our local market store, we actually, whenever we get our plastic bags from the store, we reuse them for you know storage, we reuse them for our trash, we use them for... Anything that it can have an use for instead of just taking them and throwing them away right when we get home. Because I think that's a huge waste. And don't use paper napkins, paper towels, or paper plates. Instead of tossing out plastic bottles of water, get a refillable bottle, wash and reuse. And that's actually what I do. I actually bought a Starbucks cup from Starbucks. And I use it all the time, no matter what I'm drinking. If it's juice, water, coffee, iced coffee, smoothies, whatever. I use it for whatever I can use it for just so I don't have to buy water bottles all the time and having to, you know, if I can't recycle them, I won't have to sell them away because I just have my bottle, my little plastic um, glass bottle, glass cup with me all the time without ever having to waste anything. And one good thing to do is to collect rainwater to water your outdoor plants and shower water to uh, water your indoor greenery that you have in your house. So instead of using new water to water your plants, you can just use the water that you've had from your shower. Or whenever it rains, you can collect the water from the outside to water your plants. Turn off the lights when you leave a room and power down your computer. That is a huge one to always consider. Always remember that when you leave a room, you know you're not in there, so why not turn the light off? And it's much easier than having to pay a high electricity bill. Ask your parents to buy only green cleaning products. We actually have green uh, dishwash soap. We use that, and it's actually really good for the environment. I can't exactly remember what the brand was called, but we use that, and it's actually environmentally friendly. And use public transportation, walk or bike. You know, when you drive, depending on how much you drive, you're always letting your emissions into the air, which causes damage to the atmosphere. Um, and it's just a lot better for your body if you were to walk somewhere or bike somewhere. You know, you get your ex exercise for the day, and then you can binge on donuts later. So skip the elevator and use the stairs. That's another way to get some calories burned for the day. You can borrow books from the library or buy your books from charity, Be the Star You Are, which rescues new, soon-to-be-destroyed tomes. And that's actually what my grandma does. She has a huge room in her house that is just dedicated to just books. The entire, all four walls have a giant shelf, uh, a dresser, just with tons of shelves, and there are tons and tons and tons of books. And whenever we would go over there to visit, you know, there was never a book that we haven't, uh, that we haven't read. And, um... We were always in there reading, trying to find books that we, we can read over again. You know, she always had a bunch of Goosebump books that we loved to read. And that was one of, uh, one of the coolest memories that we always had at my grandma's house is that she always had so many books 
and they were always reused, so they weren't ever wasted, they weren't ever thrown away. You know, she always had somebody over at her house with little kids, so they had something to do, and that was read books. And one thing you could also do is to donate your teen magazines to shelters or share with your friends. I actually have a ton of Vogue magazines and Teen Vogue magazines in style magazines. You know, I use them all the time for my inspiration to design clothes. So I actually reuse them whenever I possibly can. And whenever I find like a really cool image of a clothing article or a really cool image of modeling uh, ad, I use that as inspiration for myself. And I'll actually, you know, let my friends read them. And um, I just like to reuse the things that I have. Um... Another new thing that you can do is to pick up trash and do not litter ever. That's something that I think that we see all the time. We'll see on the signs, on, on signs on the streets, you know, throw your trash away, please, please don't litter. And it's something that is really good for the environment because if we're throwing our trash on the floor everywhere, it's not a good thing for our, for our environment. You know, there's going to be trash everywhere. It's going to be unhealthy. It's going to be unsanitary. So the best thing to do is just to throw your trash away and don't smoke. It pollutes the air, your friends, and your lungs. And that is something that is very bad for your health and very bad for the environment as well. So it's just good to not smoke at all. Participate in beach or park cleanup days. That is actually a really fun activity, especially if you're doing it with people you know. If you're doing it with friends, you can have a great time together actually helping the environment and doing something for your community. And one thing that you can do is take a walk on your local trails to learn about floral and fauna in your area. Plant an herb or vegetable garden to use in the kitchen because you can help the soil by using it and planting new things in your garden. And you can also use it as a way to eat organically. Learn to compost. That is one thing that is pretty popular. I had a family friend who lived on a huge amount of land and whenever they had veggies or anything like that that they could compost, they would do it. They would have this huge composting area outside of their house and they would use it for everything. They would use it for more gardening they would use it for anything that they could do. And one thing that you can do for that is to set up a worm bin to enrich your garden soil. And that would help with planting your own vegetables, planting you know, any kind of fruit tree that you had. You know, we used to have an avocado tree in our old house in California. And we, we never got the chance to use it, but we were so excited to see it bloom and we never got the chance. We actually moved too soon. So one thing you can do is to set up a worm bin to enrich your garden soil to help your gardening, and it will allow you to compost. Eat locally grown organic vegetables, eggs, and fruits, and give your outgrown clothing to Goodwill or an organization that can use it. I actually have a lot of clothes that I've been needing to give away, and you know, I was wondering, you know, I don't want to just give them away you know, to somebody you know, that's not possibly going to use them. Give them to a local Goodwill because that way people who need clothing for cheap will be able to go there and get new clothes and I will feel good about myself instead of throwing away clothes that are perfectly good to use but they don't fit me anymore. Buy uh, only earth-friendly cleaning products. Like I was saying earlier that we have dishwashing soap that is environmentally friendly. Turn down the heat and wear a warmer sweater when you're in cold. You know, I live in Colorado and it gets insanely cold and one thing we do is we have lots and lots of blankets Lots and lots of sweaters, lots and lots of socks. We have anything that can keep us warm. And if we can leave the heater off as much as possible, we try to do that because it is a larger electricity bill that we also do not want to pay. So we try and do that too. 
one amazing thing that you can do is to volunteer your time at a charity that believes in saving the earth. And each person can make a difference. Turn your trash into treasures by sharing your outcast with those less fortunate. Each step you take to be green helps. The habits you acquire now will serve you and the planet for the uh, planet well for the rest of your life. Become more like Kermit the Frog. Blend in and be green. So one exercise that you guys can do, it's called Go Green. Have a family meeting to decide ways that you can save energy and become green. Brainstorm together. Write down your ideas. Design a reward system. And on a monthly basis, for each person who abides by the new set of living green tools, green living is more attainable and easier than you may think. And it will probably save your family money, too. Well, this was super fun. I love talking about this with you guys, and I'm glad I was able to get this point out there. And I hope you all learned a lot about helping our environment. This was so fun. I love Kermit, and it was a truly inspiring story that really teaches how to be Earth-friendly. It's a very relatable story, and I really enjoyed reading that to you guys. During the break, everyone, be sure to check out our radio site at expressyourselftoradio.com for photos, descriptions, links, and more. Also, please visit our charity site at btsya.org and watch our fun and informative videos at youtube.com slash be the star you are. Stay right here with us as we continue our conversation on the gift of green when we return with our economics tune-up reporter, Alex Palacos. I'm Asia Gonzalez. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. Looking for a show about your favorite movies, stars, and DVD releases? Get ready for Kids First Coming Attractions on Voice America Kids Channel. Your hosts, the Kids First film critics, preview all the latest movies before they're released interview stars on the red carpet, and share their reviews with you so you can make informed decisions about what you select to see. Our reporters, ages 7 to 16, will bring you a kid's perspective on these films. Kids First Coming Attractions is heard every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Kids. What's cooking? Join Kid Chef Eliana for Cool Kids Cook. Eliana is one of the youngest published cookbook authors and will show you that there are all kinds of goodness in food beyond the chicken nuggets and fries. On our show, we'll discover cuisine from around the world, learn some great cooking techniques, speak with some of the world's top chefs, and share recipes. Kid Chef Eliana is here for you on Cool Kids Cook every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. Bon appetit! We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. You are listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids Network, brought to you by the Be The Star You Are charity. I'm Asia Gonzalez, and today our show is all about the gift of green. 
Our economics tune-up reporter, Alex Palacos, has a little different spin on what green means to him. Hi, Alex. What do you have in store for us today? Well, hi, guys. Uh, This is Alex, and I did a little economics tune-up about uh, the gift of green. So, you know, since today's topic deals with the gift of green, what does the expression green even mean? These days, it seems we hear so much about the need to go green. Going green simply means that you become more aware of the environment and how what you do affects it. You change your behavior and your lifestyle to reduce the amount of pollution and waste that you generate and to conserve the world's natural resources. Interestingly enough, from an economic point of view, going green often results in saving money at the same time. So it is not only good for the environment, but it also might be good for your wallet. Save the environment and save some cash. So an economist might even say, go green to save green. Let me explain with some everyday examples. The first and most obvious example has to do with your choice of an automobile. We all know that cars are among the biggest source of pollution on our planet, resulting from the burning of gasoline. Go Green suggests that instead of buying a big, fancy SUV or a high-performance sports car, you buy a smaller, less fancy car that gets terrific gas mileage. You typically wind up buying a car that costs way less than a lot of other cars, and by using a lot less gas to drive a set amount of miles, you cause less pollution. So you not only save on the car itself, but your monthly gas bill is way less than it could have been. Congratulations! You have just helped save the environment, and you have saved yourself money. To me, that sounds like a win-win situation. I would agree with that. In fact, since going green often means using less of the Earth's valuable resources, and you have to pay when you use those resources, it's really easy to see how using less can save you money. For instance, a shorter shower means you use less water and less fuel since your house uses fuel to run the water heater that warms up the water. You save on your energy bill and your water bill. Speaking of your water bill, a really big water saver is doing away with large green grass lawns. Getting rid of your grass and putting in drought-resistant plants can save a lot of water, which would lower your monthly water bill. Keeping your thermostat at a reasonable level in the summer and winter will also be an energy conservation action. In fact, anything you do to reduce the use of electricity in your home would be a plus for the environment and a plus for your wallet. One last thing I wanted to add to this topic. For those of us that are in school, especially college, where you have to buy you know, lots and lots of textbooks, Here's a real green suggestion. Next time you are about to buy a textbook, consider renting instead of buying. Renting your textbook is way cheaper, and it is good for the environment as more resources and energy don't need to be used to produce a new book. Another win-win situation. Now, uh, from my personal experience, I've been going to uh, college for you know five or six years now, and mm. when I first went, you know, the I didn't really know what was going on, so I would buy my textbooks. Yeah. And they are so expensive. They're like $300. Oh, they're, they're ridiculous. So yeah. And now uh, I rent them 
uh, on Amazon, sometimes I get them as low as $25 a semester. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. You know, my first semester at college right now, I was looking and people were like, yeah, you can buy new books over here. I was like, why would I buy a new book? Because first of all, when am I ever going to use it again? And second, you know, that's just a waste of money to have to buy an entirely new book that you're not going to use when, you know, you can rent it and you can still write in the book and everything just as long as you don't damage it. And then you give it back for somebody else to use. And that's what I do. We also have, this is what I love about the internet now, is that you can also get your books online instead of having to pay for a paperback. Exactly. It's it's totally a uh, kind of money-making scheme they have going on because they come out mm -hmm. with a new edition every yeah. single year. And, and you know that, uh, you know, Basic edition. Biology 101 has yeah. not changed uh, dramatically, yeah. you know, in one year. Yeah. I would agree with that. And you actually, Alex, you mentioned a lot about conserving water earlier when you were uh, talking about your conversation. You said that one suggestion is to do away with green lawns. And I was curious about how much of someone's water bill goes to their lawns because we actually have uh, two lawns. We have our front yard and our backyard. And they're not terribly, uh, you know, they're not crazy green, but we usually use the rain that uh, comes around because it's been raining pretty often before it's going to start snowing here in Colorado. So our lawn is pretty green right now. So we actually don't turn on our sprinklers as much as you think someone would. I want to know, you know, how much of someone's water bill does go to their lawns. Okay, well, um, you would definitely save doing what you're doing. But uh, for someone who's doing it, you know, the typical way where you're just... Uh, watering your lawn using the sprinkler system, mm -hmm. I think the answer might really surprise you, especially when uh, you live in California and you're yeah. in the middle of the drought. It turns out that Lots watering lawns and gardens typically accounts for about 50 to 70% of all home water use. Mm, That's wow. a lot of your water going just to keep your lawn green. Yeah. So you can save a ton of money on your water bill and easily reduce your water consumption just by watering early in the morning and keeping grass three to four inches long. By doing this little, you know, tweaks, it prevents evaporation. And an That's even better solution is to replace grass with native plants. Yeah. Yeah, in Arizona where I used to live, you know, they had, we didn't have grass really where I lived. It was either you had gravel or you had like boulders and little rocks surrounding your lung you didn't have grass back there you know you were lucky to have grass if you lived where i live and it was just such a such a dry climate and we would have very cold winters and we would have very hot summers and we would have crazy monsoons that would just drown out the grass that you would have living in your lawn to the point where you really didn't have grass so we used whatever plants that were native to that area you know, like cactus, um, you know, just aloe plants and just everything that could survive in that kind of climate. So we really didn't have grass, so that's a very smart choice. Right, right, right. So I, I know fuel-efficient cars, uh, you get more miles per gallon, you know, like Prius and all that stuff, so you use less fuel, but do they pollute less for each gallon that they use? That's the that thing that people actually think about. Yeah, that's a really good question. And the answer is a definite yes. It turns out that fuel-efficient cars not only get uh, better mileage, but they are more efficient at burning the gasoline we use for fuel. 
okay. they emit less pollution for every gallon they use compared to the average car on the road. So they use less gas and they burn the gas with less pollution emissions. But um, one thing I wanted to mention is uh, fuel-efficient cars aren't necessarily uh, the electric cars uh, and stuff like a... Uh, is the Prius one of the electric cars? I think so. I think yeah, the, one of the problems with the electric cars is, sure, they burn less fuel. Yeah. But in order to get the electricity to power them up, there's actually a lot of fuel consumed mm. uh, in building that actual electricity. Yeah, there is. So there's kind of like a hidden pollution cost yeah. that uh, you're uh, that's not being accounted for. So they're not... Uh, it, what's more important is how efficiently the car uses the fuel, you know, like how many miles per gallon. Because what's not being accounted for in uh, an electric car is, sure, they're getting really great, you know, MPGs because they're also using electricity, but they're not mm-hmm. accounting for the fact that the electricity they're using was, you know, uh, harnessed using fossil fuels at a power plant. Yeah. So they're much less uh, efficient as you would hope them to be. That's a good point. I like that. So going off of electricity, could you explain why using less electricity in my house or apartment isn't good for the environment? Yeah, I think that's pretty, uh, you know, that makes a lot of sense. A lot of people assume it doesn't help the environment very much by reducing electricity in your home. Mm This is especially true since, you know, you don't see or smell any pollution when you turn on the lights, unlike when you use the car. Yeah, exactly. But the pollution, you know, because kind of like what we were just talking about a moment ago, the pollution is there and it just happens at that power plant instead of at your home. Mm -hmm. So, you know, most electricity is generated by burning coal and other fossil fuels. Yeah. And it's it's actually uh, more coal than fossil fuels, which is Mm -hmm. definitely a lot worse than... uh, the plain old fossil fuels. I so every imagine. time you turn on the lights, you do create a little pollution by causing the electric utility company to burn more coal and fossil fuels to supply the electricity. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Alex, for this insightful look into a different kind of green. This conversation was actually very, very eye-opening, and it makes you think about uh, all that we can do to help our, our environment. And speaking of dollars, how about making a donation to the Be The Star You Are charity that brings you this program. All you have to do is go to BeTheStarYouAre.org and also remember to visit our radio site at ExpressYourselfTeamRadio.com and when we come back from our break, we'll be, take, we'll be talking with Emmy Award winning a producer of Good Morning America and author of White Dresses, Mary Peterson. I'm Asia Gonzalez. And I'm Alex Blakos. Sometimes we may sound strange, but remember, we're just kids with opinions. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Join us every week for the Paper Hope Street Team. None of our topics are off the table. This is a program that you can listen to and discuss with your family. From the pages of the Paper Hope blog to the internet radio airwaves, we'll talk about the topics you want to talk about, such as friendship and relationships, or some more controversial issues about sex, drugs, and underage drinking. Join the Paper Hope Street Team live every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Kids channel. Let's talk soon. Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network host? How about what's new with our network? 
Make sure you check out the iRadio blog, a look at what's hot at Voice America and beyond. Visit www.iradioblog.com today. Get the inside scoop on every channel on our network, including breaking news, featured guests, blog posts from our hosts, and much more. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter for even more inside action. Visit iradioblog.com today and stay connected. Have you heard your 15 minutes of fame? How about four times that every single week? It's the fame game. Listen as Maddie Rose, who is up and coming in the world of fame, brings you fame from all walks of life. You'll hear from doctors, teachers, mentors, life heroes, as well as those in the fields of acting, movies, music, and more. Who knows? You might be the next one Maddie Rose talks to on the air. Listen for the fame game every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. We didn't invent Kid Talk, we perfected it, and at a very young age. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Thank you for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. Our program is Express Yourself, giving youth across the world a voice to be listened to. I'm your host, Asia Gonzalez, and today's topic is the gift of green. And we are so thrilled to introduce to you a bright new shining star in the literary world who has already conquered the realm of TV. Mary Flum Pearson endured a difficult childhood, but she persevered and excelled. She was valedictorian of her high school class in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin, and graduated summa cum laude from Columbia University, where she broke into the competitive world of TV news. She is currently a multi-Emmy award-winning producer at ABC's Good Morning America, the nation's number one morning program, and lives in New York with her husband and four small children. Her book, her first book, White Dresses, a memoir of love and secrets, mothers and daughters, is a sweeping family saga depicting three generations of women and the white dresses they wore on days filled with both joy and sorrow. Among the issues Mary tackles her mother's abusive experience in the convent as a young nun, marriage to a man who later revealed himself to be gay, mental illness, and the compulsive hoarding that put the bonds of mother and daughter to the ultimate test. Welcome, Mary, to Express Yourself Teen Radio. We are so delighted to share this time with you. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I'm so thrilled to be talking to you. Mary, our show today is about the gift of green. I noticed at the end of your book you wrote that your mother had long talked about her desire to be buried with Kermit the Frog because he embodied a kind soul who forever tried his best even when the deck of life stacked against him. And even though he didn't always succeed, you made sure that this wish was granted and Kermit was placed on the pillow of her casket beside her head. Did your mom see herself and Kermit as comrades? Absolutely. I mean, when I was growing up, uh, this is before your time, when The Muppet Show was on the air, I was a very small, small child. And Miss Piggy was my favorite. My mother was always reminding me, no, no, it's Kermit, it's Kermit. That's just that, that, that the heart and soul. And uh, she felt like uh, he was he was really uh, someone that was was after her own heart in terms of 
exactly mm-hmm. what you just described, being someone, uh, something <laughs> in the form of a wonderful frog that tried so darn hard, didn't always succeed, um, but um, really tried and always had his heart in the right place, and that was very much my mother. I like that. That's so cool. It's always good to find something like that, especially if you want to have that as a kind of role model for your children. You know, you growing up with the Muppets, you know, I grew up with them when I was littler. You know, my mom, we had lots of VHSs and lots of little movies of the Muppets, and I would watch them all the time. And they were my favorite. So I really, I grew up with that too, and I actually shared the love of Miss Piggy. She was my favorite too. Yes. So white dresses takes on a number of issues, not the least of which uh, is what it was like to grow up the daughter of a compulsive court. What was that like? Well, you know, the thing is, when I was growing up, you know, as a kid, you don't really know the the the, the ways of the nor of, of quote unquote normalcy in the world, and so there wasn't a word for hoarding. First of all, that's something that's really been very much in the last fifteen years or so here in the United States, uh, I knew that something was wrong. I didn't know what was wrong. There weren't reality shows about hoarding. It wasn't talked about. I knew that my house, as I grew older, you know, certainly by the time when the hoarding started when I was about in the second grade, and, and I really knew something was wrong by, certainly by junior high school. But I, I knew that they had, by going over to friends' homes, their homes were in order, our house started with mail. Um, my mother, um, you know, before my father left, you know, it sounds very basic. You open your mail. My mother stopped doing that. So we, we had stacks and stacks of mail. And mail doesn't take up a lot of space to begin with. But soon there were grocery bags filled with mail throughout the living room and the dining room. And that could be explained away and put away, frankly, um, easily enough. But then from the mail, it went to the newspapers. My mother read four newspapers a day. She was very well read, an extremely brilliant woman. And I have to note, for anyone listening, uh, you know, so often when we think about hoarding, we think about, if you watch the reality shows, some kind of backwoods trailer or someone really down in their walk who maybe doesn't have a job. We lived on a nice house, in, in a nice house, on a nice street. Uh, my brother and I were very well educated, uh, in school. I mean, we did very well in school. We were in all the sports and, the, you know, editor of the school newspaper for me, valedictorian of my high school class, um, first chair clarinet, you know, you name it. My brother was a star athlete, football player, basketball player, track athlete. We did all the right things. We went to church. Uh, but no one knew about the sturdy little secret, uh, which was that, you know, my mother um, had chronic depression and just increasingly um, found it difficult to clean up. And uh, she was brilliant. She had a full-time job. Uh, it was just very much a secret within our home. So the newspapers, after the mail, began to stack up. And then eventually it was the appliances. Um, uh, we had a large television mm. in the living room. When it broke, it wasn't replaced. The washing machine wasn't replaced. The, the microwave and dishwasher, when they broke, weren't replaced. And so suddenly we had broken appliances, stacked up mail, stacked up newspapers. But we were still going out and very much feeding in the community. And, and, and it, was, um, it was a very strange existence of, you know, uh, doing so well outside the home, but within the home, it was a very different story. 
I I can relate to that actually. You know, I read your uh, article on confessions from a daughter of a compulsive hoarder, where you talked about how they've actually created a lot of misconceptions about hoarding, and you talked about your experience it with it and what it did to your personal items of your childhood. And my mom's mother actually was a little bit like that. You know, she has a giant house that was built in the 1800s and it has lots and lots of space. And I was talking about in the first segment how she has one room just dedicated to books and there's just books everywhere. And there was one room where it was dedicated to all of her childhood toys, Her, uh, my mom and her uh, other siblings. It was an entire room filled with toys from when they were kids and they have not been moved at all and I always had like the urge to go in there and just explore all the toys that they had but it was also blocked by more stuff so you couldn't get in that room without having to move all these other things out of the doorway and it was it she was all she hoarded stuff too and it um it created lots of squished spaces whenever family would come over and we would always be wondering like why do you have this stuff you know you could probably give it away give it away to kids who didn't have toys or something like that and um when I was born to my mother she actually gave my mom's old baby clothes to her for me and when I was wearing one of her footsie pajamas I actually stretched my foot popped out of the footsie uh opening and you know that was when we realized that that wasn't um new clothes it was actually her old clothes so you were explaining that they've created a lot of misconceptions about hoarding. What do you? What do people not understand about hoarding? Well, I think first of all, um, people don't understand that it's that the real problem with hoarding isn't the stuff and the mountains of stuff. And that sounds so crazy initially to say because, of course, when you think about hoarding, you think about the mountains of stuff. And, and people not being able to move to their own home. And, and, of course, that seems like that's the real problem. That is a problem. But the real problem with hoarding is what's going on within that person. And it's very easy, I think, for people to say, uh, and I've certainly had it in my own life, people very well-intentioned at times saying, you know, well, if that was my mother or if that was my loved one or my next-door neighbor, I would just say you know, have that person leave the house for a couple of days and I'd clean the whole house out. I'd throw everything out or, you know, give it away or a combination of things and maybe save a few things, but I'd clean it all up and blam, bam, it's all taken care of. And and it's very easy to say and to think that that's just going to solve the problem. And, and many family members um, think that's going to solve the problem. I, for... Uh, for a couple of years, my my wonderful husband, who has been very supportive of me, um, uh, you know, the backstory was after I graduated from high school, I really, really, really wanted to go far and, and get a really great education and, and make enough money and do well in my career to go back and take care of my mother and my mother's house and the hoarding. And I, too, thought, okay, I'm going to go back and I'm going to clean it up. My husband joined forces with me, and we thought, we're going to take care of this. And it really took um, us talking to some experts and taking a step back and realizing what so many family members of hoarding ultimately realized. The problem with hoarding is not the stuff. It's that something Mm -hmm. has broken down within the person. 
something is broken down where that person, I think the other thing when you ask what, what, what people don't understand, not only do they not understand that it's not the stuff that's the problem, they don't understand that, that the person that this is happening to, um, it's so often, I'd say at least 90% of the time, it's not that they don't want to clean up or they don't want to get things organized, it's that they can't. And so just as you view, you know, we're finally starting as a nation to talk about mental illness increasingly. Uh, unfortunately, it's because yeah. of very horrible circumstances, all of these horrible shootings, we're talking about mental illness. And we need as a nation to start realizing that there should not be a stigma with mental illness. It should be put in the same sort of category when we hear, you know, if I would have said... You know, my mother is a compulsive hoarder. Um, that's what I was growing up. People would not have known readily what that meant. But today we do. That would be a very shameful thing. You know, I can promise you out there that there are, are so many teenagers who are living like I did with parents of compul- or whose parents are compulsive hoarders. And it's, and it's, 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 there's so much shame associated with it. And with mental illness, we need to start bringing depression and schizophrenia and mm-hmm. supporting, um, which is uh, oftentimes the, the mental health community um, says it's the result of uh, obsessive compulsive disorders uh, and, and depression. We need to start talking about it in the same way that we talk about physical maladies, right? Exactly. So if, if, exactly. if I were to say that my mother had cancer, if you were a good person, <laughs> you'd say, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. When I say that my mother was a compulsive hoarder, we need to start thinking more in those terms. And I'm not, by the way, not at all saying that that's in the same category. I mean, my mother was not dying. But my point being is that it was something she couldn't control. And it was something that was really um, hurting the family and in turn the community. And it was something for which she needed support and that my brother and I needed support, not revulsion. So, exactly. uh, so well, Mary, point thank you for your forthrightness about your childhood and life. Thank you so much for this discussion. White Dresses is a riveting read, and we wish you every success. It's amazing, and it's definitely a story that everybody needs to read. Visit Mary's Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Mary Flum P-F-L-U-M Peterson. During the break, be sure to check us out at our charity site at btsya.org, which stands for the Be The Star You Are 501c3 Literacy and Positive Media Charity. Stay right here with us, and we are definitely going to uh, continue our conversation with Mary. I'm Asia Gonzalez. The later it gets, you're listening to Voice America Kids. Our voices need to be heard. Tune in every week for Women Investing in Women and Girls. This is a groundbreaking program that spotlights global issues from the perspectives of young women and teens. Our program is aimed at young listeners in general, including young men who wish to be engaged in our global dialogues. Come join us every Friday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time for women investing in women and girls and follow the global economic revolution on the Voice America Kids channel. 
Tune in every Monday for Purple Songs Can Fly. Our program serves as a musical outlet for children being treated at the Texas Children's Cancer and Hematology Centers. These songs are flown all over the world and even into space. Hundreds of songs have been written and recorded and have been part of shuttle missions, airline in-flight playlists, toured with the Rolling Stones, gone undersea and to the top of Mount Everest. Join our hosts for some great music on Purple Songs Can Fly, Mondays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids. Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back. Thank you for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. I'm Asia Gonzalez, and our program is Express Yourself. Today, the theme for our show is The Gift of Green, and we are speaking with Good Morning America producer and author of White Dresses, Mary Flum Peterson. Mary is married to the love of her life, Dean, and together they have four children, three boys and a girl. I'm glad you're still with us, Mary, and I really want to continue on our conversation. If you guys just joined us, we're talking with Mary uh, Peterson from Good Morning America, and we're talking about her book, White Dresses. Now, you and your mother had a complicated yet very close relationship, and I know you miss her very, very greatly right now. I am blessed to have a very special bond with my mom. We are pretty much best friends, and I absolutely love her to death, and I I love to hear when people have a good relationship with their mother. Are you looking forward to bonding with your daughter in a similar way or, you know, when she's old? Absolutely. It's so neat to have a daughter. And it's so special. As she was born, I I think, you know, it's one of my big regrets. She didn't get to know her grandmother. She was born. She's the only one of my children that was born after my mother died. But I also find it. Uh, you know, while it's hard that I she my mother died before my my daughter was born, it's also I think really significant. I, I you know I I went from having one mother daughter relationship where I was the daughter to another mother daughter relationship where now I'm the mother. But so I'm I'm so it, it's neat, you know, as you know that it, because your relationship with your mom, it, it's that that female bond. It's it's not like yeah, anything like, else. It's definitely something very special, and I think every female needs that. Now, what I want to know is how you got started from CNN to Good Morning America. How did that process all happen? And what well, got you, know, you into television? Well, TV news, I, I have to say, if anyone's out there thinking of it, it's every bit as exciting as you may think, if not more so. I love, love, love that no two days are exactly alike. I love that I get to talk to people like you today. But, um, you know, I, I get to meet wonderful people. I get paid to witness history and to meet some amazing, you know, movie stars and music stars. It's amazing. So what happened with me is uh, I love to write. I love to read. I love to talk. 
uh, and I, I, I continued to, to have those passions when I went to college. I didn't know where I was heading with it. I thought I might be pre-med. I really was interested in becoming, I had scoliosis growing up, the curvature of the spine, and I uh, had uh, surgery, and, a, and I wore a back brace. I thought I might become a spinal surgeon, but I had always loved to write for the school paper. I was the editor of the high school newspaper, uh, active on the yearbook, you name it. I worked for my local paper growing up in Wisconsin uh, as an actual correspondent for that local paper. I've gone into journalism camps, and so it really, even though I thought about medicine, it really was kind of a no-brainer when I look back that, of course, I would join the school newspaper staff at Columbia University, um, get all kinds of internships. One of the internships that I got wound up being at CNN at the New York Bureau, and uh, I was I was I was young. I was, I was 20 years old uh, when. Um, the first World Trade Center bombing happened, and I got to do a lot of work at the Bureau on a hijacking. And at the end of my internship, even though I hadn't even graduated from college, they, they offered me a full-time job, and I said, well, him and I haven't graduated. They said, no, 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 go, go ahead and graduate, but here's a full-time job. You know, can you do both your senior year of college? And I did. It was That's crazy. Awesome. I didn't sleep at all. But I, I got a lot of great experience, and uh, from CNN, um, I went all over, all over the world. I lived in Turkey for a couple of years. I, I went to Afghanistan. Um, I, I went all over. Uh, I was based in Atlanta as an on-camera reporter and overseas, back in New York. And then ultimately, I went on over to ABC News, Good Morning America, and it's just been a wonderful, wonderful ride. I definitely think that is something to lose sleep over. That is such an awesome experience. I... That's just amazing. I'm so glad that you've been able to experience that. So how, what do you think about, you know, when we are pursuing our dreams, when we're pursuing our passions, you know, we all have our failures in our lives and they can be big or small depending on how much power we give those failures. Do you think that they are something that defines us or our future? You know, some would say yes, some would say no. You know, what do you say about that? Do failures determine our successes? Oh, I, I would say to anyone, one of my favorite, uh, I'm going to paraphrase, I, I don't have the exact quote down cold, and I should by now, but one of my favorite sentiments, I should say, was from Winston Churchill, uh, who, of course, had, had led Britain to greatness uh, in the 20th century after World War II. Uh, he said that the definition of success for him was, was successfully going from one failure to the next. Uh, rather smoothly. And I think that there is no such thing as failure. I'm trying so hard in this generation to raise my, my four small children to know, hey, there, if, if somebody thinks you fail, who cares? You've learned something, and, and there's something to be gained from that. I, I think what, what we consider failure today is actually underestimated. Uh, we know from the time we're babies, we learn the most from our mistakes or from our hard times in life. And I completely continue to agree with that. I, I really believe that there's, um, you know, like anything in life, you know, um, you can you can let the, the hard parts weigh you down and, and, as you said, define you. Or you can turn it around and let it strengthen you. Um, let it be a means of, if nothing else, 
connecting with other people. In Facebook Nation, oh my goodness, I mean, you know of all people, your generation more than mine. I mean, everything's about how many likes you get to a post and putting these perfect selfies together with all these filters that I'm still learning about. And, 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 and that's okay on one end. We all want, we all want to strive for the best. But there's something wrong when we forget that what bonds us together as people is, is the quote-unquote mistakes or the failures, that we're all imperfect. It's not the perfection that bonds us together. That's what separates us, right? That's what separates us. Say, oh, she's prettier than me, or she's smarter than me, or he's better at chess or football or soccer than me. But no, I mean, it's, it's these quote-unquote failures and flaws and help us relate to other people and help other people and, and put ourselves in their shoes of, hey, I struggle with that too, and guess what? It gets better. <laughs> and here's I the solution. So I think, I think that the quote-unquote failures are ultimately um, they're going to strengthen you, and they're going to make you more resilient, and they're going to make you a better friend and partner and parent and worker and coworker. I would have definitely agree with that. I think when you realize that somebody is different from you, you realize that, hey, maybe I can learn a little bit from them that I don't know myself. And it could be the exact same on the other side that they can learn something from you. And I think that's what creates friendships that, you know, when we find somebody that is different from us, we can learn something new from them and incorporate it into our lives, possibly, you know, something that would help us more. And if we have something that can benefit them that we are different uh, in a way, then they will accept that and they realize that, you know, this person could probably teach me something that I don't know. So I think that's where failure comes from. Absolutely. No, I completely agree. Yeah, you were talking about your white dresses and how that was a symbol of hope and progress and change. How did that hope and symbolism come along? I'm sorry. Well, the white dresses... Um, my my mother was a big believer in white dresses. She she thought that they were. Well, I, we wore them on on um, significant days in our lives: the christenings, the first communions, the confirmations, mm-hmm. graduations, um, certainly the wedding days. But she believed even beyond that. She certainly was a big believer in that the what she called the white commandment. You know that white dresses that certainly in her generation weren't to be worn. On any of the days other than between Memorial Day and Labor Day, unless it was one of those big events I just mentioned, the christening or, or wedding or whatnot. But um, for her, they were just a symbol of of faith and hope and the possibility of of doing over or starting over. Um, and, and and for me, they were so significant because um, I guess I'm looking back. You know, things were so dark in in our lives at times as a family. After my father left, and we really had no money. I mean, my mother, I have to say, was really good at not letting us know that we had no money. But I look back, and of course, we were on government-subsidized food. You know, we, we couldn't afford a lot of things. We, 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 we had heat, but she wouldn't let us keep the house more than 58 degrees. I mean, it was, it was, it was not great. But even when things were at the darkest, um, 
she always believed that there was there was hope around the corner, and that may sound ignorant to some, but I don't think so. I think I think that she had the right attitude about life in general. That when life was at its darkest, she well, um, was oddly optimistic. Miss you know, said the life that, that meant that life was about to get better. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Mary. This was a wonderful conversation. And if you really want to find out more about this book and Mary's life and her wonderful memoir, you need to pick up a copy of White Dresses by Mary Flum Peterson. And I think you'll enjoy it. It looks like such a great book. I actually read a a little bit of it and I want to read more. Kermit would be proud with your mom in her final resting place. Pick up a copy. Make sure to do that. Visit Mary's Facebook page at facebook.com slash Mary Flum Peterson. As always, all good things must come to an end. And this show gave us an in-depth look at the power of green. Thanks to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be the Star You Are, and our Voice America kids crew, especially our engineer, Mike. Thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world. And thank you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. And you have been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. For more info on our creative community, go to btsya.org. Until next week, remember, be kind, be green, and express yourself. Speak up, speak out, and express yourself. I'm Asia Gonzalez. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself. Produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between the lines. If you would let yourself go.